Hi and welcome to episode 4 of Bet on People and today I have Audrey with me. She is a growth marketer in a B2B SaaS startup called Holistics Data. She is also a host for a podcast called The Journey where she interviews leaders in business, tech and personal development. I mean amazing. Audrey so thank you so much for being on the podcast. Can you tell us a little bit about what you do at Holistics Data? Okay. Uh so my role in Holistic Data is a growth marketer. So to give a bit of context right, uh my company Holistic Data, we work we are a B2B SaaS company and we sell data analytics and business intelligence software. So as the like only full-time marketer in Holistic Data, basically I have to juggle a lot of things in the company. Some things that I did is like product marketing, uh market customer research, uh and things like copywriting yep yeah and other kind of operational marketing stuff yeah i mean your your dynamite marketing team of one i mean that's that's interesting cuz usually uh, businesses go with they they tend to hire like specialists for like each and everything but that that sounds amazing um so tell us a little bit about how you got here i think our uh, listeners and people that are watching will find it really interesting that your journey really did not start with going to school for marketing oh yeah it's very very unexpected actually i never aspired myself to become a marketer in the first place <laughs> uh because so like to give you a context right the, uh in singapore i studied like geology Yeah, which is a study <laughs> of rocks and environment. From from rocks to stars, yeah. I think that's what it's... I'm going to title this: from rocks to stars. <laughs> you so you studied well, geology. Yeah. You studied geology, and I remember this, uh, and I was very shocked when you told me that you were an earthquake researcher. Yeah, yeah, it's a long story, I saw. <laughs> yeah, uh, so like. In so when I was in year one of my degree, I kind of know that what I wanted, I wanted to become, I wanted basically at a point in time my dream is to work overseas and live overseas. So I thought that okay, in this case, right, I must kind of get a master degree or PhD degree, then to build up my resume and portfolio in research, I have to do research, I have to publish paper. So that's where I started doing research with my prof. uh at when i was in year 1 so i work on it work on the research, various research project for 3 years and i published a paper as well as co-authored another paper then uh so like in my research right uh so mainly i work on the i make i research on earthquakes in nepal so i look at the underground seismic activities and i draw uh how does it look like underground based on the wave data that we collected using a seismic chart yeah so that's what i did for 3 years i also delved into other research project that look at uh satellite imagery to do mapping of the earth in terms of climate change subsidence level in indonesia yeah that sounds so, so interesting so what made you get uh disillusioned with it or say that okay this is not what i want to do for the rest of my life Mm, I see. Uh, might not really be this illusion. I think it's like when I started, right? I don't really know what is going on in the industry. It's like, it's like yeah. I only know a rough idea that oh, earthquake researcher do this, geologists do this. At that point in time, right? I thought that as a geologist, I get to travel all around the world. Like traveling will get paid for. I will get a lot of adventures and stuff. and my ideal career is kind of like uh adventures like i think that's why it's being portrayed in the video like look at all this like um event indiana jones this kind of <laughs> i was going to say yeah. that yeah, yeah i think you you got inspired yeah. by indiana jones i think he's an archaeologist though right um yeah, that goes yeah. around digging and excavating interesting yeah similar yeah we did few work as well then what got me kind of make the switch right is because um like when i was doing the research 
uh, I was feeling a bit like not confident of myself and I feel that like is this really what I wanted to do it doesn't really match my dream the, re- the rea- yeah. reality doesn't match my dream so I thought that yeah. geologists were like okay very cool travel around the world do this do that but when I was like working in the lab looking at the data I felt that it's like wow this same work I can just keep on doing it for like three months six months years and to publish a paper it takes a lot of effort not just it's an end-to-end process from like data collection to writing to editing to getting the paper out it's a whole long journey yeah so after I finish writing to get a publish a paper it take like one year I'm oh like oh my personality I'm not a very patient person then I feel like wow it's very long and I think the breaking point is when right uh, it doesn't really align to the career that I wanted basically my the ideal career that I want is like I wanted to learn a lot of stuff, create, make an impact. Yeah. But in research, right, while I was doing research, I asked around like seniors, research fellow, prof, and I started seeing the other side of research, not, not just the good side, but also the like disadvantages of doing research. Kind of, I realized, right, it doesn't really align to my goal because I wanted to create an impact. But to get a research paper published, it's a long process. And I question myself, what's the purpose of doing this research when the information might just stay in as an information? It doesn't really translate to any real results. Actions are not taken by government or NGOs in terms of the research that we have done. So because of that, right, I felt a bit like uh, meaningless. And started wondering, right, uh, why am I doing all this? I feel miserable and it's not what I uh, wanted it to be. So that's why I started looking at various other career paths. Yeah. Interesting. I think that that is what happens, right? We look at careers as one thing when the reality is completely different. And a lot of it is, isn't very glamorous. I mean, even with what you're doing right now, Marketing sounds really cool, right? But you, you and I both know that there is a lot of like grind that also goes into marketing. There's there are like maybe days, nights where you you spend like putting out fires. So it's it's not always cool. But I think what is different about marketing is that you are able to see the impact. It doesn't take one year i mean maybe with seo yes it will take that much time but with other stuff right you can see who it impacts you can talk to the end users and there's a communication channel going there so when you decided that okay this is not what i want to do this is not aligned with my dream i'm not indiana jones right now what was the next step for you because Marketing wasn't uh, the next step, right? You you found you f- you founded a company with a friend after that. Yeah, uh, that was a surprise as well. Like I mean, as so after I graduated, at the point I graduated half a year earlier because I wasn't sure what should I do next, and I did a final internship. Uh, in a MNC that does geotechnical consultancy, which is related to my major. So basically, we look at uh, underground and what kind of structures to build underground. Yeah. So while working at an internship, just three days into internship, I felt restless. I felt that, wow, I cannot do this <laughs> anymore. I think I should really just find an alternative career. So afterwards, right, Somehow at a point in time, a friend asked me whether do I want to learn marketing and take an entrepreneurship program. So I think that, okay, not bad. So I just joined him because I'm thinking like, okay, I don't mind learning more stuff anyway, because I'm bored anyway. So that's the start. Then but I didn't do any, like, it's just a side project thing. Then the side project kind of evolved into a full-time business because I feel that, uh, I mean, like, we feel that we can all work together and we have a common dream to strive for. So for that business, we it's a retreat and wellness business because in Singapore, a lot of people are very, very stressed. So our target audience Everywhere. is... Everywhere. <laughs> people in uh, India are very, very stressed out. <laughs> yeah. So our, yeah. So our target audience is corporate burnout who feel very burnout and they are 
kind of thinking about what's next in their career. So we did like uh, wellness stuff, like meditation, yoga, as well as career coaching. Yeah, so it's a bit kind of like giving them the space to reflect and introspect about what's next. Yeah, that's so that's brilliant. what I did for our business at a point in time. Did you do like a week-long or month-long sort of like retreats? Um, so people that might be thinking about taking a sabbatical or aren't sure about what to do next, is was that your target uh, audience? So our retreat is just over a weekend, two days. Over a weekend, okay. And usually after a retreat, right? Because I mean, uh, so what if you realize like what you want to do and stuff. So we kind of have a one-month-long coaching for them to integrate as well as take the lessons learned to uh, work on their career like doing a real project with the coaches yeah because you know like sometimes when you try to do something a side hustle or side project what well, is very very difficult a lot of obstacles starting to show up but with a community and with support things get easier and everyone just feel more motivated to work on it yeah so you found it helpful to be working with a friend to, to keep you motivated, to keep you consistent with the progress? Uh, that one is for our clients, not like for ourselves. So the retreat has two components. One is the two-day retreat where there's a lot more introspection. Then another component is the one-month project. You work on a project that you like to change an area of like your career or your life that's like not really that you wanted it to be changed yeah so how did usually you, we discuss how, how did you come up with like the the program like how do you decide like what you should do on the two-day retreat what parts should go in the one month long thing um and also how did you build it from uh, the idea to the conception i think people will find that very interesting uh, so like in the business itself, I work on business development, which is sales and marketing. So the concept itself, right? Like how we come up with it, the retreat idea, what to do, program flow is done by my business partners. So they are certified uh, executive coaches from ICF, International Coach Federation. So they have been, before starting this business, they have been work, uh, training as a coach and they got some private clients. So based on their past like record, they kind of know yeah. like what kind of problems you are solving and how to come up with a program for you. Yeah, so it's not something that we start from scratch. So like my business partner, they have some experiences working in this area. Understood. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So that credibility was already established. You already had like a group of people that you could reach out to. That makes a lot of sense. So when you got attached to this project and you you like meditating uh, and you do it too regularly, right? Uh, was that something that you felt like you could do for a very long time, uh, the retreat and wellness? Did you see yourself uh, doing this forever? Mm, like, I wouldn't say it's forever because at a point in time, right, I know that this is just the start. Like, actually, our goal is kind of like to build a school. Uh, in terms, to build a school, having people to join us, kind of like um, to have a space to introspect, to work on their mental and emotional wellness. That's our grand vision. Yeah, and we know that our product, our program, right, can evolve over time. So this is just the first part. In future, when my business partner, their skill set grow, they're able to incorporate more stuff. And let's say like usually for coaching business, service oriented business, when uh, we got more experience, our life stages change, right? The clients mm -hmm. that we attract also changes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it's ever evolving. Um, yeah. So what I wanted to understand is, did you see yourself doing this forever as in, uh, associated with the, the wellness business and doing these corporate retreats? Mm, I understand. Uh, it varies because on days that is very good, like our clients enjoy our work as well as like uh, sales and marketing improve. I see myself doing it long time. But on days where, wow, I really have a bad day, there's some like uh, 
bad things that happen, my mood is not so good, right? I feel that, yeah, why is are all this struggle really worth it? Yeah, all these negative thoughts started coming in. And I feel that, yeah, maybe I'm not suitable. Yeah, this kind of stuff. So on such days, I feel that, yeah, I might not be a good fit to work on it forever. It, it didn't really, uh, I think, satiate your appetite for adventure, right? I mean, one part of it is obviously the mental aspect of it, which you're into, but didn't satisfy your hunger for adventure, I'm guessing. I see. Uh, actually, it depends. So adventure, I kind of split it into like ideas, the idea side of adventure, exploring different ideas, creating stuff, as well as the physical side. Physical side is like mm-hmm. traveling. Yeah. yeah. So of course it doesn't fulfill the traveling side, but for idea side, right? Actually, I gain a lot of ideas, as well as personal growth. At a point in time, is really skyrocket. Yeah. Because yeah, as I mean, business owner, the challenger is totally damn different. The learning curves are damn steep. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, coming from researching earthquakes and then suddenly having a business of your own, I I would imagine that the learning curve was very very steep. So. What did people around you think about that shift? How did they perceive it? Mm. I think um, like my inner circle of like friends and family, some of them um, give me the support. Some of them don't really give me the support. Yeah, like I think at a point in time, right? Like let's say for my school friends and my prof, they're all very shocked. Yeah, because um, in, since I did three, like around three years of earthquake research, and at that point in time, I also got a scholarship to uh, midterm scholarship in my study. And actually, my prof is kind of like expecting me to continue with research. Yeah, because I was doing so much already, way more than uh, at what an average student will do in like when studying. So to her, right, she didn't, my prof didn't expect I will make such a drastic change. She even didn't realize that I was not very enthusiastic about research. Yeah. Because I kind of know that I can do it. Like I can push myself to do it. But it's just the there's some inner conflict that I know that yeah. I can do it. But do I really want to do it? It's like the rest of my life, like 60 years, 50 years. Yeah. Because of, um, I can't really see myself doing it. Then I just think that, yeah, never mind. I'll just forget about some course that I've invested in my in geology and research. I would just do something that I wanted to do. Yeah. 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 I think that sunken cost fallacy is what perplexes so many people, right? You think that, oh, I've invested so much. And if I walk away from this, then what? And I, I feel the same way. There are so many things that I can, could do, can do, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that I enjoy it or I want to do it for the rest of my life. Um, but at the same time, because uh, I I can't do things like halfway because I always believe that you should do it well or not at all, right? So I have to give like my 110% and people then think that because I'm putting in so much effort, I must be enthusiastic about it, which is not necessarily the case. So your professor is absolutely shocked, understandably. What about your parents? Or what did they think about this jump? Um, okay. Um, so as for my parents, Singaporean parents are very, very, very practical. <laughs> so so meaning, right, they felt that I have wasted four years, like four years of my degree, if I made a switch. Because at a point in time, right, um, business is not my only option. I applied for a few jobs and I got like three job offers. To them, right, they felt that I wasted my degree a lot. And if I continue kind of like pick one of the three jobs that I've gotten, right, it wouldn't be too bad. Because the risk of failing in the business is damn high. And they are, they are worried that if I fail, right, then right, can I find a good job again? That's their worry and fear for me. Yeah. Your parents could be my parents, honestly. I think that that's just an Asian thing because that's that's exactly what um, happened uh, when I said that, oh, I guess I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. And uh, at that point, my my father said that, you know, you can do this for two years and then you can do an MBA. And I was like, then what? You know, I'm doing what is expected of me, but 
when do I get to do the things that I want to do? I get it. Like there is risk in everything. On one hand, there is a risk of failing in your own business. And on the other hand, there's a risk of you not being happy for a very, very huge chunk of your life, right? Because work takes up so much of our life. That whole work-life balance thing, it's usually a lie because you're at work for like seven to eight hours a day. Eight hours, obviously, you've got to sleep. So that leaves you with eight hours to get everything that you like doing and get that done, right? And most people are so exhausted at the end of the day that they don't have that time to, you know, make me time or invest in their hobbies. So then you start living for the weekend. If you're not really enjoying your work, you wait for the workday to end and then you wait for Friday to come. So there's risk in both. Everything is hard. Starting a business is hard. Uh, doing something that you don't like is hard, but you have to choose your hard. So how how did they come on board finally once this business started taking off were they more supportive or did they did they still have that oh you should have taken one of those jobs um, um so before i start this business right my parents told me that uh just make an informed decision and have no regret just be responsible for my decision that's what they said and uh, after I decided to go all the way out, then they didn't say that, yeah, I must go back and do this job or what. They are very supportive of my journey. So I'm very thankful for them for that. That's yeah. amazing. That, that is amazing. I, th I think and that's good advice to like make an informed decision and have no regrets. Um, because if you are able to hold yourself accountable saying that, okay, I did this, I made a mistake, didn't work. I can go back and you know do something else. Um, again, that's not something that a lot of people do, like take accountability for their mistakes. So I would I would rather fail than sit and blame my parents or the society or anyone else around me for, you know, uh, being unhappy or failing. Cool. So what happens next with the wellness business? It, it sounds like it was going well, um, but here you are a growth marketer. So what, what happened after that? Uh, interesting so it's like for their business we work on it for like around one and a half years so at the start everything is well yeah then uh teamwork everything is fine so the turning breaking point is when right um there's a mismatch of ideology and com and we have conflicts when we are discussing about certain major business decisions like our values are different like so we started with three of us me and our girl and, and our guy so the guy is kind of acting as a CEO. But the thing is, right, uh, because we started as friends, there's no clear agreement in terms of how we split the money as well as shares, discounts, stuff. because we thought that we are friends. It's mm -hmm. nothing major. We don't want to hurt a friendship. So, so at a point in time when we started, we don't even know whether the business will survive or not. So we, the, my, the guy friend, right, kind of said, like, okay, once we made our first 10K, we are going to create a, open a company account and we're going to uh, officially uh, register the business. So mm -hmm. after we made the 10K, first 10K, we asked him to settle all this admin stuff, but mm -hmm. he said later, later, later. So after like after we make money, more and more money, then he keep postponing it. And it oh, sounds wow. very fishy to us. So we keep, I mean, like we asked him to get all this admin stuff set up quickly. Like he keep kind of dismissing us, saying that our priority is not on admin. We should handle like sales and marketing first, like focus on the delivery stuff instead mm -hmm. of like worry about all these small little details on the admin side. And the story is like in the end, he never ever got down to settle all this so-called nitty-gritty admin stuff. Yeah. So wow. in the end, the business is never incorporated and he just kind of like the money is in his own personal bank account and he never ever oh my God. give us any money. Yeah. So we kind of like do free labor for like one and a half years. Yeah. That, that is insane. So you weren't drawing any salary uh, from that business at that point because you're putting everything back into the business. And yeah. then this person just ups and scams the both of you. Wow. That I wouldn't must say have... scam. I wouldn't I mean, say it's scary because it's like it's a group responsibility thing. 
he did this and we kind of like just let him do this because we don't really have any power to kind of get it back as well. Then based on how he think about stuff, right, which I felt is very, very twisted, he kind of makes sense in his own logic. Yeah. I mean, to me, it sounds like a scam because, you know, you start off as friends and you you didn't really have a sense of where this would go. But when it eventually did, um, I mean, it, it's, it's just bad ethics, right? Bad business ethics to just like scam your partners out of what they are owed. Um, so how, how did you recover from that setback? One and a half years um, of free labor and then you realize all of that was for nothing and I'm, I'm sure you learned so much right and that is obviously useful but how did you recover from this setback i see um yeah actually it's really a major hit in terms of physical health as well as mental health um so in my business right we me and the girl can't work like 16 hours a day and we don't really know what is that guy doing. Because actually each time he says he's working on product development, but because we are not keeping a check on him, we also don't know what he's doing. So every day we do like 16 hours work. Then like personally, I only sleep like four hours for because I was damn stressed, worry about the business, and I just couldn't sleep. Lah. Then then my health really took a big toll. Yeah, so after the business ended, I tried to recover my personal health, like sleep more, as well as regulate like better, yeah, better eating habits, this kind of stuff. Then emotionally, it's really a big hit. I, I, I felt very depressed about this. I was very, very sad. I felt as if it's a betrayal of trust. Of course, like, I trusted yeah. him so much as a friend. Yeah. Then in the end, such thing happened. Then I wonder, right, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with him? Mainly, I blame myself a lot uh, at a point in time for letting this thing happen. I felt like a loser. Like, wow, what happened? Like, we work on it. I mean, we all work on it very hard. In the end, uh, in my, like, in, I felt that I'm being judged by my peers. I felt that I have nothing. I felt that um, I don't dare to tell my parents about it, that he cheated on money. <laughs> So I think to do oh. there, right? my parents don't know that uh, he didn't like pay us. Yeah. He, just, he even like, owe us business costs. That's not being repaid to us. So like at one point in time, the amount of money in my bank account just, I mean, as a fresh girl, I don't have much saving. Then the lowest amount of money that I have in my bank account is actually like $7. Then I wonder, right? oh my God, how should I survive? Yeah. So at a point in time, because I don't have savings, so I have to kind of like feed myself, right? Then uh, and I didn't draw any money from the business. So I teach tuition. Yeah. In Singapore, tutoring, tuition, I mean, teaching students, you know, like tuition, like math. So I teach math tuition to like primary and secondary school kids to make some money just to cover my own expenses. Yeah. That that's amazing. Yeah, I mean, so the, the the fact that you took that setback and you started working on yourself, and I mean, you know, a lot of people would just sit there and blame themselves and blame everybody and be like, "Why me? Why did this happen to me?" And I'm sure that might have happened, but you decided that okay, I'm not gonna sit here and cry. Woe is me. I'm gonna go start teaching kids math and that that's amazing kudos wow. to you no actually i started teaching the kids math where i was running the business way before the business it's like my side income for very long ever brilliant. since i was 21 as a student brilliant i mean like, that is the the best thing to do always have an additional uh, stream of income yeah. because it's it's not, i'm not saying that you can't trust anybody in this world you should you should definitely have you should be open to the idea but at the same time you know you never know you might lose your job you something like this might happen with your business or you know there's some other type of setback like this pandemic uh, so that that's that's really that's really nice so you you were teaching students the the whole time even when you were running the business yeah because i don't have saving like 
uh, I mean like at least for the other business partner, the girl, like she worked for a few years, she has saving, but I know that I don't have saving and I can't rely on my parent to feed me. I have to kind of continue tuition, I, yeah, in order to at least minimally cover my own expenses. Yeah, so that's why I didn't stop teaching, even though I started my own business. Yeah, it's just I have to kind of like manage my schedule well. Yeah, then going back to the question how I recovered, right? Actually, for first six months, I really feel damn depressed. Uh. Like the mind, I try to pick myself up, but I really cannot pick myself up because like my energy is very low and mm -hmm. a lot of negative thoughts just keep coming. I cannot stop the thoughts. Even yeah, though I meditate for years, right? The thoughts still come. I mean, like, I just have to kind of like, okay, aware. Then I sought a lot of help. Like, because since I work on this business, I, I know that mental and emotional health is very important. And I know that like, my peak state is here. Right now I like negative. So I kind of know that I have to try and climb back up again so that I don't hang there for too long and become like very, very sad. Yeah. So I sought help from different coaches. Yeah. Try and coach me out of this like negative negativity as well as like finding my niche job. Yeah. That best brilliant. Uh, one thing it yeah. Because one thing is, right, my ex-business partner, he's a narcissist. So no matter <laughs> how good or how well we do, right, he just yeah. keep constantly put us down. So I, when we left the business, our confidence is at the rock bottom. Yeah. So I, I have mean, no faith in myself that I can survive because he constantly say negative things to us. Yeah. I mean, along with the scam, uh, the, the narcissistic, uh, I think element to it I think all of that put together it must have been like devastating at that point and you recognized what you needed and you went and you sought help from the right people which again I think people think that they can help themselves I am also one of them I, I feel like I can help myself and uh, I try to do that with self-help books and all these videos but it just ends up becoming like inspiration marathon sessions where I'm inspired, but not inspired to take action. So I love that you went and you took active, you know, charge of your life, like knowing that I have to come back to this peak state. So how did you find these coaches or is it very easy for you to like find somebody to help you out with what's the next step in your life? Um, I went for different kind of coaches because I Google search and also ask some friends for recommendation. I mean, like since our ex past our business is actually on career coaching, somehow we'll know some people in the field. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so yeah. I saw some help with different coaches specializing in different stuff. Some of them specialize in emotional wellness. Uh, of course, I cannot go back to my ex-business partner because she's also recovering. <laughs> so I sought like different kind of help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, then uh, career co career coach also. I found myself a career coach to work on like my resume, as well as like confidence interview confidence because I know that like um, since I have this distrust, this belief in myself, and even though I try to get out of it by doing something, but it's kind of difficult. It's like yeah, so I know that uh, it's easier to just, just get a coral coach to help me. Yeah, in order to sort out my direction, lostness, like stuckness in finding a job. Yeah. Because at that point in time, I mean like as a fresh grad, business kind of like, even though it's not really failed, but I really feel that I feel at that point in time, what can I do? I really don't know. Yeah, but with the help of the coach, I managed to identify some of my key strengths, what I love to do, then uh, I started looking for relevant jobs, which is like marketing. And I know that uh, I wanted to work in tech because fast paced and it kind of suits my personality. Yeah, that's why I'm very specific in my job hunting. Yeah, I only look for specific roles. Yeah. So B2B tech says that that became the, the niche that you were looking for. Um, how did that interview process i mean look like or actually let's start with like how did it look like for you looking for jobs um 
did you did you face any sort of like hurdles because you didn't have a relevant degree because you you were an earthquake researcher and then you had your own business where you were doing uh, business development sales and marketing so did that help you in the in the interview process or did people still want you know somebody with a marketing degree i see uh, i would say that right it really depends on what kind of interviewers uh, so for the roles okay i mainly apply for two roles i look at my skill set so last time in research i used to do like coding so i know like sql python so i apply for data analyst role Second, I applied for marketing in tech companies. So for their analyst role, I got quite a lot of reply, but it's just that I'm not interested. That's why I never really, I mm -hmm. couldn't pass the test. Yeah, the coding, <laughs> all these coding tests. I wasn't yeah. interested. Yeah. Then for marketing-wise, right, uh, for the company that contacted me, I guess they look at skills more. I think it's a, it's a fit thing. So basically, right, yeah. I know that I run a small business, so I only look for startup. Yeah, this is a skill set match. Startup, I look for generalists, whereas for bigger company, like over like, over those companies that's over like 200, 500, they look for specialists. So yeah. I know that like my skill set is not a specialist kind, which one day I hope to become a specialist. So I just look for startup job. Yeah. That, so that's it's, incredibly yeah. insightful of you and to know that so uh where were you looking for these jobs like how are you reaching out to these companies i think uh two, two i do it by two ways first one is friend recommendation i have some friends who work in tech so i ask them like do you have any recommendation or any of your friends are looking for a marketer so I got like uh, one or two response from my friend, marketer friends. Mm -hmm. So they recommended me to their friend who are looking for junior role marketers. Then the other one that I did is I look at job portal, like LinkedIn, Angel, job or whatever, all these job, all these places where startups will post their job. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's so it's a, a very good one. targeted thing. So I don't go and submit like thousands of resume, whereas I focus on the places where I'm most likely to get a job. Yeah. Yeah, that spray and pay uh, type of strategy really doesn't work. Sorry, spray and pray. The spray and pray strategy doesn't really work because uh, a lot of people do that where they just look for um, a role that they like, but they're not really looking at the company. They're not looking at the work culture. Sometimes, I mean, it's it isn't possible to do that you know you're not coming from a place where you have the privilege to take your time and find the right job so it's understandable but if you want to find uh, a meaningful career i think what you did is a great example of that be very specific about the kind of company that you want to work in the kind of industry that you want to work in the roles that you want and you went about it in a very smart way asking your immediate you know, network your friends and looking at job portals where startups exist. Like Angel is really, I mean, a fantastic example of that. So how long did it take you to find your uh, job? I mean, the first job in marketing? Mm, within three months, yeah. That's a really good time frame. I think three months is, is insane. So what did your like interview and uh is at uh, holistic Data your first company um as a as a marketer mm, yeah i'm the only marketer i'm i think i'm the first full-time marketer before me we hired a part-time content writer ah, okay yeah amazing so what did your interview process look like with holistic Data? um it's three rounds First round is talk with HR, which is usually first round talking with HR is just a qualifying round to understand like are you do you fit into the like build the criteria that they have. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So after that round, I interviewed with my colleague. Yeah. So in a startup it's very small. So a team is pretty small, team of five people in our growth team. So I interviewed with the chief of staff. Yeah, which is like a manager, a manager in the company. So Daron, he also asked me like quite simple questions straightforward, like about my experience, 
like ask me some question. Yeah. Then the last round is with my boss, the CEO. Yeah. That one is even easier. <laughs> that sounds yeah. really, really amazing. And you said that they valued your skills and your experience with the business instead of discounting all of that and saying that, oh, you don't have a degree in marketing. Um, and honestly, more companies should do that. They, they should bet on potential instead of saying that, oh, you have a degree. I mean, degrees are a good way to get your foot in the door, but it, it does not determine that you will be successful because what works for an enterprise it's not going to work for a startup, right? So you can't come and be like, oh, let's start with customer marketing and let's start uh, doing product-led growth. When you're in the initial stages, you know, you're just trying to build out the whole story of your startup. You have to invest in content creation first. You can't be like, oh, let's run paid ads because I know it worked for some other company. So I think that, that perspective that uh, you had because you... You started something of your own you started from scratch that is in like insanely valuable and i'm so glad that you know companies like holistics data exist where they can see that in a person and you know they value that skill and value the will to learn and to grow yeah amazing actually, so I, actually i think right to add on to that point actually it depends on what kind of industry as well as what kind of company so for example, right, let's say for MNC, of course they look at paper qualification first. Yeah. So yeah. I, that yeah. is like they because they use ATS, right? They can't they are just gonna reject your application without even taking a look at any of your experience. So your keywords, the the college that you've gone to, uh they also write that like MBA is preferred, MBA is like mandatory. So I get that. So what kind of industries do you think this sort of mentality works? Is it just startups? Because uh, it is sort of like experimental in the way where, you know, people are trying to build something from scratch. They're willing to take that chance on people. Or should startups, actually, to be fair, startups should have been the opposite, right? Because they're trying to build something from scratch they might want to bring in people that that know what they that know exactly what they need it it should be the other way around where mncs are more open to experimentation <laughs> i think it i think it depends on the values of the company and hiring manager yeah uh, so but one example that i can think of is right i talked to a friend so in singapore she's she worked in a b2b SaaS company as well so She's a performance marketer, PS, yeah. Then they hired a head of marketing from Facebook, ex-Facebook, yeah. So that first, the ex-Facebook uh, become a head of marketing in their startup. And within two weeks, the head ex-Facebook guy quit the job, yeah. <laughs> because it's the different skill set. Like, you, the skill set you use in Facebook market, I mean, in Facebook, running a Facebook, and my marketing team in Facebook is different. Because like in startup, you've got to roll out your sieve and everything is uncertain compared to the stage when that person joined Facebook. Mm -hmm. Facebook is already established, target audience is there. They just need to run, do the execution, like pay ads, content, discounting, everything is sorted out. But in a yeah. startup, right, some startups haven't even achieved product market fit. So mm -hmm. it's a lot of experiment to try and iterate towards identify who is the customer who really buy our product. So it's really all this like grind work, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, if you're not willing to get down and dirty and learn and get out of your comfort zone and also you you can't be like, oh, this is the only thing that I've been hired to do. I'm not going to try and, you know, help out with sales or customer support. And it's, it's not so much that your role does not uh, define that you have to be helping out, but also as a marketer that's just starting out, having that kind of insight is invaluable. And with a lot of companies where they have like these set processes and set you know, frameworks in place, everything becomes really siloed. So you, you don't have visibility um, on what your end user is saying. Now that is changing. I think a lot of people are pushing this idea about how 
at drift like they do uh, they do customer support everybody does customer support um and a lot of people are you know that pushing that idea that if if you are not talking to your customers then how are you even marketing right so that is totally changing but uh, yeah i think most people don't realize like you said the skill set that you require to be doing marketing at facebook versus what you would need at uh, an early stage company completely different skill sets cool so how long has it been for you since you started at holistic data mm, it has been like one year and one month yay one year anniversary yeah. amazing yeah. and and you love this you you want you see yourself doing this for a long time this one i'm not sure because like uh this okay nowadays right, i don't subscribe to believe that uh i join i do one thing i have to do it forever so i believe in terms of growing and learning mm -hmm. so as long as there's learning and growing opportunity i'll still stay in the company yeah absolutely yeah there i i used to believe this right that uh, people just have like one passion in their life and if you find that one passion and you work on it, then everything is going to be fine. You know, the money is going to come in, success is going to come in. And then I realized that people are multifaceted. How can you have just one passion or one dream um, or even just do one thing for the rest of your life? I mean, it's it's great that if, if you find that one thing that keeps you, uh, it sustains you for a very long time, but I love that. I mean, exploring new things and experimenting and continue experimenting. And that's what you're doing with your podcast. I love the fact that you started that. And it's a live format, which is really interesting. So could you tell us more about how that idea came to you and what what the podcast lineup looks like right now? I see. Uh, so I already started this podcast the journey not too long ago which is like two weeks ago yeah so far i've recorded like three episodes with like uh i started with my circle of friends first yeah that's and, that's brilliant again you yeah. should definitely tap into your immediate network but three episodes in two weeks is outstanding oh yeah thank you thank you yeah then uh what happened how did this live podcast come about okay so basically right um I listen to podcasts, sometimes I have questions, but I think in terms of engagement, right, I prefer a live format. And okay, like basically as a person, I don't like to talk to, have a monologue with someone. I feel that it's a bit weird. Yeah, so I rather like, let's like learn and um, let's learn together. If you are interested, just join a live podcast and ask some questions. Because right, uh, when different people ask different questions, you get to learn from them, like from different perspectives. Then you get to see the other sides of the things that you might not see if you just between like me and the guests. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Then yeah, started because of engagement. And I kind of like modified this live thing from the past events that I've run. Yeah. So during COVID last year, I was very, very bored. So I asked a relationship, a friend who does relationship coaching to ask her, hey, are you like so? In our small talk, right, like in our one-to-one -one chat, we talk about like relationship, dating, and stuff. Then she gave me a lot of ideas. Then I thought, like, wow, this is cool. Why not? Like, let's also bring this to people who are interested in this topic. So during COVID last year, uh, on meetup.com, like I started, we started a series of relationship talks. Yeah. Then it's just six session. First session, only two people showed up. Then in the end, we grew to like around thirty. But at a point in time, because due to limit, right? I mean, like there's 50 sign up, but we have to turn some people away because uh, we can't manage, facilitate so many people. Yeah, so I adapted the concept of like a workshop kind, online workshop into a podcast because I love the engagement aspect. Yeah. Love that, mm -hmm. love that. And I, I would love to incorporate that live uh, aspect as well in this podcast. And I'm planning to do that on Clubhouse. I'd love if you could come on and some of the other podcast guests that I've had on and we can have people and solve their queries. And like you said, right, me asking questions is obviously 
whether I like it or not, there is a bias, right? There is a bias, there's an inherent bias. But having people on where they have their own perspective on things, I think that that would be amazing. So we're also on Clubhouse now. And basically what we plan to do is, um, I think once we have the first session in the last week of June, have uh, a session every other week and people can come in and ask questions about problems that they're facing with their career, how to find what they're good at, how to match the skills to the right career, any questions that they might have about like specific careers because there have been people with like very different careers. Obviously, I, I end up meeting a lot of marketers because I'm in the same space, which is like great. Uh, but still, I mean, you could still answer questions about earthquake research if somebody had a question or how to go from rocks to SAS, <laughs> which is which is brilliant. So where do you see this uh, podcast going? Do you is is the idea to just keep getting these stories out there uh, and do that live Q&A sort of thing? Mm. Yeah, right now it is like this. Uh, honestly speaking, I don't know where it will go. I will just like do the things that interest me and add it into the podcast itself. Yeah, I love that. Again, I, I, I again don't know where this this podcast is gonna go. Right, I don't know where Bet on People is gonna go. My idea is to just get these stories out there because I know that. I felt like really alienated when I was trying to make a switch or trying to find out, oh, what am I going to do with the rest of my life or feeling that I am not qualified for certain jobs. And then sometimes the imposter syndrome kicks in. So my goal is to get these stories out there and hopefully give people these action items, um, some sort of like a roadmap where they can figure out, okay, one, this is possible to this is accessible right because there are obviously like uber successful people that have gone from they have a rags to riches story and they've made it and or even like let's say intermediate successful right like people that work in like really amazing companies i feel like people might not be that comfortable reaching out to them or even be able to have that one-on-one -on -one sort of mentoring relationship with them, right? So if you're open to that, I would love to like link to your LinkedIn and then maybe somebody can reach out to you for help with how to become the next Indiana Jones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure, no problem. Yeah. Amazing. Audrey, thank you so much for this. I so appreciate you giving your valuable time to this podcast i look forward to what happens to the journey and what you do next whether you stay at holistic data or you start something new i'll be following that thank you and to the the, the people that are listening or watching this remember to bet on people